Hey, everybody, and thanks for joining us for another Tales from the Trail podcast from the Iditarod. We are here with Kelly Villar, and she was our 2020 Teacher on the Trail. So we're going to hear her uh, talk about all of her adventures on the trail and all of the neat things she did in the classroom with students regarding Iditarod lessons and introducing students to the Iditarod. Thanks for joining us, Kelly. Thank you for having me. Yes, and we have a lot to talk about, I guess, because this year's Iditarod was interesting. (laughs) I think we had lots going on besides just what was going on on the trail. Normally, we had some storms. I think you got caught in in some and wasn't able to fly out a few times, maybe, uh, out of some checkpoints. And then, of course, we had the pandemic starting, you know, just kind of the beginning of it and that rolling. So I guess, where do you want to begin? Maybe let's start with um, yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and your teaching and how you get, how did you get into the Iditarod? Great. Okay, so um, like you said, I'm Kelly Villar. I'm from Mansfield, Connecticut. Um, I've been teaching for about 21 years now. I was introduced to the Iditarod about 20 years ago uh, from my dad. He called me up one day and said, you really have to check out this dog sled race in Alaska. And so I started researching a little found some lesson plans from some of the first Iditarod teachers on the trail, and I was hooked immediately. I've always been a dog lover ever since I was little, um, and I never had dogs as a kid. So to have something that deals right with dogs and something that I can use in my classroom, I was immediately hooked. Uh, so I started off with just using the... Um, reading and doing sort of an I did a read with my class and we would track mushers uh, going down the trail and we would try to read 1,049 minutes. Um, I tried my first year adding in rest points and the 24-hour layovers and the eight-hour resting times, but that became very, very long. So I've reduced it and changed it since then. And each year I add more and more and more into my classroom. And now I start from day one talking about the Iditarod. And we use that as a theme throughout the entire year. This past year was particularly exciting because it wasn't just me as a lone teacher teaching the Iditarod. My entire school and community came on board and the kids in Mansfield really learned a lot about Alaska and we learned a lot about the history of the Iditarod and uh, where Alaska is and how it's similar and how it's different to us here in Connecticut. So it really is, um, I teach it all year long and the kids are completely engaged. That's really neat to have the whole school uh, following the Iditarod. How do you um, was that like a gradual thing where you kind of introduced it to a couple teachers and maybe um, they, they kind of follow along with I did a read um, 
how do how do you get the whole school, you know, kind of in on the same uh, project? It did start off by um, when I was teaching sixth grade about 17 years ago. Uh, I'm, my team knew that I really liked the Iditarod and that I was doing the Iditarod. So there were a few teachers who would do a few Iditarod activities. Um, and then as I came down into the elementary school, uh, teaching fourth grade, a couple of my colleagues in fourth grade also jumped aboard of the Iditarod and we did a lot with the gold rush and read books about gold rush fever. And that's how we connected into Alaska. Uh, this year, as I was, um, when I became teacher on the trail, that's when the whole school really jumped on board. And we, I introduced the Iditarod to every single class. Um, any of my students who I've had in the past already knew a lot about the Iditarod. So they were also able to help me introduce that to the different teachers and to other classmates as well. So when you're, um, there's application process to be teacher on the trail. Do you talk to your, you know, principal to say, Hey, I want to apply for this. And, uh, you're going to be gone a few weeks, I guess, two, three weeks out of the school year, right? It was about five weeks. I was gone out of the school year. Five weeks. Okay. <laughs> so how does that conversation go? I'm, I'm sure, you know, you have a great principal and they're, you know, behind you a hundred percent on, you know, this is a great experience to do. Do you, then you have to have a substitute then come in for a, kind of an extended period of time. Yeah, yeah, it was back in um 2018 was when I really decided that I wanted to apply. Um I have six kids and my kids are now at the age where some of them are living on their own and my youngest is 9, so uh we my husband and I thought, okay, this is a great time. So in the spring of 2018, I approached my principal and showed her the application, uh, showed her the website. I gave her the documentary, Why Do They Run?, which is one of my favorite documentaries. And she watched it, and she was completely supportive. She said, go for it, Kelly. I know you can do this. Uh, and from there, I met with my superintendent. And again, I showed her the website and the application and things that I had already been doing within the classroom to motivate students. And she as well was on board with me applying. Uh, once I was selected as a finalist in 2019, I did go to Alaska for 10 days for interviews and the teachers conference, the winter teachers conference and the start of the Iditarod. I was lucky that year. I uh, had a student teacher uh, from the University of Connecticut, which is right here in Mansfield. And I was able to go to Alaska and I had the student teacher who had been working with me since September. And he was able to really work with the class while I was gone and connect the class with me in Alaska while I was gone. There was also a substitute in the classroom at that point. Uh, but, and while I was gone in uh, March or February and March of this year, 
I also had a long-term sub who continued the work of the Iditarod and had the kids connecting to me and continuing to follow the Iditarod while I was gone. So there's a lot of moving a lot of moving parts here. <laughs> of course, you know, your own family at home, um, you being away. And it's really great to have the school district behind you, you know, your principal and the other teachers. And it's probably really exciting for your students and the rest of the school to, you know, cheer you on and follow you, be a part of this great race. Um, did you like do Skypes or did you do little uh, daily videos for them or while you were gone, just kind of do little updates? I did. I emailed an update every other day and that became morning announcements in my school. I also Skyped with my classroom while I was at the I did a Rod Vet Checks the day, uh, the Wednesday before the start of the race and took them on a little tour of I did a Rod headquarters and showed them what was going on during the vet checks, and they got to see the dogs as well, which they absolutely loved. Um, I also, not only with my own students, but while I was out on the trail, I did uh, Skype with a couple other classrooms throughout the United States uh, to sh share with them the experiences I was having. So with this year, what uh, was the... I don't know. Is there a memorable time on the trail this year? Did you get, you got caught a couple of times, I think, um, in some, some storms. Maybe you couldn't fly out of a couple of checkpoints. Yeah, there was a lot of snow this year. Um, both with the junior Iditarod and with the Iditarod. Uh, with the junior Iditarod, I was able to fly out to Yetna Station but was not able to fly back. So what was really cool was I was able to go on snow machine back to Willow from Yetna Station. Uh, I got to stop off in Eagle Song, and that was a really cool experience for me. One, that I've never been on a snow machine before, and two, that we just being able to travel through the wilderness was was quite amazing and beautiful in the snow. Uh, out on the Iditarod, I did get caught a couple times. Um, there were there were quite a few snowstorms out there as well along the trail. Um, leaving Uniclete to go to Nome, it, I did leave in a storm, in the beginning of a storm. So there was that rush to get us out before we got caught there. Um, I ended up staying in Takatna a little extra. Uh, before I could get over to Uniclete. So we make this plan of what my schedule is going to be like out on the trail, but because of Mother Nature and other things that happen, you have to be very flexible and kind of go with the flow, and you end up where you end up. And it was really kind of cool because when I was in Takatna and I was there for an extra day, I got to see how the Iditarod checkpoints get closed down um, and that's part of the Iditarod I never really thought about. How do they clean up after? Um, and it was really neat to be able to go through some of those drop bags and see, oh, this is what mushers put in their drop bags. Uh, these are things that I can bring back to my students and share with them. I was also able to help with uh, the return dogs and 
getting them on onto a plane to go back to Anchorage. So that was a, a neat experience I wouldn't have had if I didn't get stuck there. So what do you, um, you're out in the checkpoints, you're sleeping in, um, cabins or tents. Um, what's the gear like? Um, out in the checkpoints, I slept in, um, schools, uh, in both Takatna and in Nikolai. Uh, in Uniclete, it was a, a gymnasium. Um, but it is, the gear that I bring is the gear that I use. So I had a bag that it was 45 pounds. It can't be any heavier than that because of the planes. And within my pack, I had my sleeping bag and my sleeping mat and my pillow and any extra clothes, which I didn't bring a lot with me out onto the trail and gear that I might use out on the trail. So it really was neat that it was kind of you find your spot, you lay your sleeping bag down, and that's where you're going to stay for the night. Um, so living out of that, that pack was a really neat experience. Had you gone on any long-term, uh, I guess, camping-type trips before like this, or was this kind of the first, I don't know, extended outing you've had? This was the first extended outing I've had. Uh, I camp, our family, we go camping every year, but we camp in a travel trailer. So I have my bed and my bathroom and my kitchen. Um, so it's very different out on the Iditarod Trail uh, where you're living out of that pack. Yeah, so kind of like a, a glamping situation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> So when you're out there on the trail, um, are you talking with mushers? Are you kind of, cause you're kind of preparing things to write about, um, for teacher on the trail blog or articles for the schools and, and every, all the teachers that follow you, right? Yes. Yep. So when I got into checkpoints, um, I spent time talking with the other volunteers that were in the checkpoints. Um, talking to people who live in the checkpoints. Um, it was really neat. And Nikolai, I was able to connect with the two teachers there. And I spent two mornings in their classrooms. So I got to interact with the students, um, talk with the teachers, and really ask questions about what is school like in Nikolai, Alaska. Uh, so that was really informative for me. I also would spend time down at the checkpoints and as the mushers are coming in and they're bedding down their dogs, I can talk to the mushers, you know, what's it like out on the trail? How was your trip from, from the last checkpoint to here? Anything surprising for you? What's the weather been like? So just talking with the mushers as well. I also really enjoyed, uh, watching the veterinarians and talking with the veterinarians and learning a lot about dog care uh, along the trail as well. What um, what kind of questions did you ask the veterinarians? I mean, are you kind of asking, um, you know, what special, what differences do these sled dogs have opposed to other sled dogs? Are you kind of pulling that into your classroom and doing a little bit of a education piece that way? 
Yeah, yeah. One of my um, journals that I was working on throughout the year was the adaptations that sled dogs have and what make sled dogs different than, you know, the dogs that you might have in your house. Um, I have a Newfoundland and a Boxer. So why would they not make good sled dogs compared to um, those Alaskan Huskies? And so I, you know, looked at the different adaptations that they had. And I would ask questions such as that to the mush, uh, to the veterinarians to try to connect that in. I think the students uh, really enjoyed learning about the differences in these types of dogs and really realized, oh, my golden retriever is not going to be a good sled dog, but I need a dog that has a double coat or a dog that um, has that countercurrent circulation. So looking at that different adaptations was really important. So part of your gear is also like a camera, right? You're bringing, you're taking photographs, um, you're trying to get some behind the scenes pictures and uh, things to send out to your students and to share really with everybody that's following you. And anybody can follow Teacher on the Trail. Trail. It doesn't have to be uh, a teacher's. Do you get messages from teachers saying, hey, you know, can you try and get a snapshot of this? You know, how does this work? Do you get any feedback from uh, people out here on our side while you're out? Um, I did actually. I, I got a couple messages um, up in Unicleat um, from a teacher about um, in Unicleat there is a pizza store, um, Peace on Earth, and fans can order pizza for the mushers as they come in. And so the mushers can enjoy a nice hot pizza at that checkpoint. So I did have a teacher um, email me and ask if I could take a picture of, um, I believe it was Mitch CV receiving his pizza because her class had got him a pizza or bought him and ordered him a pizza uh, for when he arrived in Uniclate. So. I think that's the funniest thing. <laughs> you can just order a pizza for a musher and it's right there ready. And I'm sure they really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Considering some of the, I mean, some of the checkpoints have some pretty good foods, but I bet some, some nights they're kind of camping out in between. So <laughs> right, maybe right. food is as good <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Well, that's pretty cool. I've seen some of those uh, pictures of the pizza boxes with uh, musher name written on them. Um, that's a pretty cool little detail. Are there any other little neat details that you've uh, seen now that you're kind of behind the scenes access to? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is so much that I learned when I was out on the trail. You know, I, I've heard... I had heard from past teachers that it takes a long time to process everything you've just done when you get home from Alaska and that journey. And I didn't re quite realize what they were talking about until I got home and then started going through pictures and going through um, just journals that I had written. Uh, my dad 
gifted me with a book of everything from my application, all of my journals, all of the pictures I took, everything through the last journal that I wrote uh, out on the trail, all the lessons. So your um, dad put this really cool scrapbook uh, deal together for you then to kind of commemorate your your trip, your experience on the trail then. Yeah, yeah, it was a scrapbook uh, from everything from my application, all of my journal entries, all of my lessons, anything that I did, um, news articles that I had written or that were about me in the local newspaper, everything together into um, a book, a scrapbook for me. So looking at that and reflecting upon that, there are just so many things that I say, wow, I, I can't believe that I just did that out on the trail or, whoa, I, you know, this is something new that I learned that I can bring back to my students or, you know, it was just altogether a really amazing experience and processing through that I, I now get is it takes a long time and it, it's really exciting. And I love sharing the stories with my family and with my colleagues as well. Do you have a favorite musher? Um, I know that's probably hard to answer. Or a favorite dog. I don't know. Maybe you have a, a favorite team altogether. <laughs> yeah, I've always followed Allie Zirkle and have been cheering her on for a really, really long time. Um, so that was really cool for me to be able to meet her out on the trail. Uh, one of the journals that I did this year um, was that I reached out to a lot of the mushers and I asked them for a story about a dog that really touched their hearts and um, why that dog really touched their hearts. And I put all of the responses that I got into a book that I'm saving for myself and to share with my students. And I really felt like that was, that was really touching. It was so wonderful to read all these amazing stories that these mushers have with their dogs. Um, one that stuck out to me, uh, was Cool Cat, uh, Matthew Failer's dog. And, um, I was able to actually go to his kennel during the teacher's summit this year. And, and meet Cool Cat after I had read Matthew's story about how important that dog is to him. And I used Cool Cat in a lot of my lessons with students and school visits when I went to go talk to schools about the Iditarod, uh, because Cool Cat had some really neat litters. And Matthew Failer did an excellent job in his story about Cool Cat um, explaining about the different themes for the litters. And I kind of spun off of that and talked about categorizing and classifying with students. And, you know, we mushers also make these categories. So he had um, the heavy metal theme, and that was a litter of puppies that came from Cool Cat. And it was, I always use that example with the students, and it was really neat to think of it 
for them to think about, well, what would some of the puppies be named? And a lot of them connected like, oh, it's gold and silver and iron, when really he was thinking about heavy metal bands. And when I would talk about the heavy metal bands, they were all like, oh, yes. And then they came up with all these different ideas. So it was something I was able to connect with the kids. And I was really excited to meet Cool Cat when I got to see her. So when you were also out on the trail, we had a pandemic start or really kind of gain momentum while on the trail. Did you um, know what was going on when you hit some checkpoints? Um, maybe you had a little bit more connection to the outside world than uh, some of the mushers did. <laughs> Um, it was actually when I got to Takatna was when I learned about what was going on down in the lower 48 and the, the pandemic that was going on. I happened to be on a Skype call with a teacher from Danbury, Connecticut. And while I was on the call with her kids, an announcement came on over the loudspeaker for all the teachers to check their emails um, for an important message. And that teacher let me know that they were closing schools. And I thought, oh, I wonder why they're closing schools. And then all of a sudden, I started getting on my phone once I connected to the internet um, at Takatna School. I learned that the school that I taught at or teach at and my own kids' school uh, were also closing down. And that's when I started to well, maybe I should read a little bit of news and figure out what's going on. And then I saw some of the messages from the Iditarod about things being canceled in Nome and um, moving the checkpoint out of Shaktulik. Um So that's really when things became kind of real um, when I was leaving Takatna. Well, that's kind of scary <laughs> when you're... <laughs> Out in the middle of kind of nowhere, you know, <laughs> and don't really have, um, I guess, reliable connection to, you know, back home or even coming back to um, the hub, main hub here in Anchorage or and or Nome, really. Um, but you made it to the end. I mean, you made it to Nome, you know, the finish line, and uh, were able to experience, you know, the whole the whole race, you know, we were able to finish. Um, it was a little bit different. Of course, we had to uh, kind of ask people not to come to to Nome to, you know, uh, for safety. And and we, you and I, and I saw you in Nome too. We we were kind of uh, sent sent home quickly. I guess yes. <laughs> we were only there for maybe a couple days. Uh, were you there for two or, or one day? Um, I was there for, yeah, about a day and a half. I was there yeah. for the ending or for the, the, um, champion finish. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the next day I was sent home. Yeah. Yep. And I don't think I was there much longer than you were. I might have been there for another day. Um, but so unfortunately, you didn't get to see, you know, everybody come in and then I didn't even get to see everybody come in uh, either. But um, were you worried about not getting on a flight home or uh, 
kind of getting stuck here. Were you stuck here at all for a time? Um, you know, I was worried about that um, because I had started to hear that some of the airports were closing down. Um, and so I ended up while I was in Nome um, and connected to the Internet, I was and knew that I was being sent back to Anchorage early. Um, I changed my flights and instead of going through Seattle to Boston, back to the East Coast, um, I went through Oregon. So um, I did make it home. I actually ended up home about four days earlier than I was scheduled. Yep, yep. We we were all trying to, to get on the planes uh, out of Nome early, and um, I'm sure your family was happy to have you home and not uh, have to get stuck here, really. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, the schools closed and, and now we're, you know, still working from home. You know, a lot of people are, are, are not going into the offices uh, yet and you're preparing to, you know, get back to the classroom and um, do whatever, uh, I guess precautions are going to happen there. And I think a lot of school districts are still deciding on what they're going to do for this school year. So, um, you know, it's, you, we didn't know what was going to happen. And here we are gearing up for uh, the next Iditarods still. And, you know, things might be a little bit different uh, still again a whole year later. So we're just going to have to kind of see how it goes. But we do still have um, our 2021 teacher on the trail. And um, he's gearing up, ready to go. And we'll still have plenty of online uh, content for from him. So we look forward to that. And, um, yeah, we're just all kind of moving forward still <laughs> as best we can, I guess. Exactly. And, and Jim has some great things planned for this year. Um, so I look forward to following him on his journey as the 2021 teacher on the trail. Yep. One thing, um, I did want to ask you. So when you're out on the trail and, the mushers, they come in at all hours, really, uh, of the night. Do you, tr did you try to, uh, you know, stay up and get those, you know, 1 a.m. <laughs> rifles? Or I know we had, being in Nome, uh, we had a few, you know, 4 a.m. or, yeah, <laughs> sometimes you just can't stay awake and <laughs> catch them all. Yes, yes. Um, I did. I used the tracker um, that was available uh, at the communications and um, was able to kind of plan out. Well, I think this musher is going to be in at about this time. So if I sleep a little now, I can be awake later. So so I did use the um, the tracker quite a bit to kind of plan when I was going to be sleeping and when I was going to be out at night. Yeah, that's pretty handy to have. I know um, there were really a few that, you know, you're up all day doing whatever coverage, you know, has to be done. And uh, then, but then you have a couple, oh, they're going to be in at four or maybe six. I'm like, well, 
we're going to try to rally and <laughs> keep it going, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. <laughs> yes. We really uh, commend our I, insider crew because they're just working and up kind of around the clock. <laughs> I think they just sleep uh, by the TVs and, you know, their equipment. <laughs> they just roll out their uh, sleeping bags and, and just sleep right there because you know, the next person might be coming in in an hour and they might only be an hour spread apart. So <laughs> that's right. They're pretty amazing out there on the trail. Yeah. Well, we're uh, looking forward to, you know, everything that the new teacher on the trail, Jim, is is going to be bringing us. And we really appreciate all of your uh, content and writings that that you have, have up there now. And anybody can go on. Um iDidRod.com slash edu and check that out under Teacher on the Trail. And it's all kind of aggregated into one place. So when it switches hands, uh, you can go back and and look at any of the old writings uh, from our teachers on the trail. So your content is still up there. Those are kind of fun to look back on. And then uh, soon Jim will be writing some new content. And, uh, you know, we'll see how how everything goes with the next race and hopefully you can still come up and still be out on the trail with everybody. So thank you, Kelly, for coming on and kind of talking about all your experiences and it's a really good program and we really appreciate all the teachers who uh, share the idea to I did rod with their schools and their students. It's, it really is a, a really unique uh, thing to be a part of. Exactly. And thank you so much for having me. All right. Thanks to Kelly Villar for coming on Tales from the Trail Iditarod podcast. Thanks for tuning in and we hope you uh, join us next week. We hope to have a, a musher guest speaker on. All right. Until then, thanks for joining. <laughs>